If you spend more time talking about the people who are playing games than games, then you just might be playing it wrong. Hello, happy gamer listeners. It's episode 22, season 2 of Playing It Wrong. What have I got here? I've got the usual stuff up this episode, and even more call-ins this episode. So let's just start with those, okay? First up, we've got none other than Ivy the Happy Whisk. Thank you so much for the shout-out and also for the shout-out for Tim's Patreon. And I'm glad that the puppy's feeling better. We have one who's got a sensitive tummy. I started making her food, and so far, so good. Much better than the kibble. But, yeah, if there's kind of a puppy rule. If it's on the floor, it's theirs. It's a horrible rule, but, you know, I didn't make it. <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. Yes, thank you for the call in. Yes, the puppy's doing better. She's had her week of antibiotics. Yes, and the puppy rule of it's on the floor. Sometimes it's the rule of if you aren't looking and it's low enough that I can reach it, I will go for it, which goes us back to the Philly cheesesteak followed by a bunch of hydrogen peroxide episode, which was not fun, and she still does not like fuzzy water. And by the way, folks, uh, Happy Whisk has a Patreon too, so look it up. I'm not sure what it is, but go ahead and look it up. And speaking of Happy Whisk, also got a call in from her sidekick, Gothridge Manor. Hey Chuck, it's Tim. I couldn't agree with you more with adventures being guidelines. That's primarily what I do with them. Uh, kind of take out what you need and fit it to whatever your party needs also to make it much more fun. And uh, thank you for the shout-out. Much appreciated. And uh, keep on with the great work. Love the little brown book readings. Ah, thank you for the kind words, Tim. And thank you for the call-in. And yes, we did run your adventure last week. So that's going to come up in the next segment, which I'm calling the Session Summary. So first, I'm going to go a little back in time to week before last, the session that I missed because of puppy poop and poop, poop and puke. Yes, that was a 5e session. I missed it. Guess what happens when I'm gone? A TPK. Yes, a TPK in 5e. So, everybody else has new characters. I might start with a new character. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'll probably mess around with this afternoon. Probably mess around with the character, see what comes up. But anyway, this last week was the Labyrinth Lord game. And this time, they sent on a little quest. Not really a little quest, but I followed up an adventure. They're doing keep on the Borderlands, and they're getting kind of bored. And they just hit fourth level, so... A lot of the encounters aren't that challenging to them. However, I did get a little gift in the mail, thanks to, uh, once again, Tim Shorts, a.k.a. Gothridge Manor. Follow his Patreon, because you get neat stuff like this. And I got the Demon Baboon of Porter's Crown, and they went through this. So, um, I'm going to try to do this without uh, any spoilers. But there are a couple things here. First of all, it's uh, the name, yeah. Lots of baboons, so there are bunches of baboons. Random encounters. Well, we have one character who decides to scout ahead. The other group of characters decides to go off in a different direction in the town. So they're separate, so I roll for random encounters for each. They both get a random encounter. So basically, they're both trying to kite the groups back to each other, and it was a big mess. They had lots of problems. Um, they were kind of freaked out. We, um, there are some survivors in the village. I won't say that much. Um, I ended up after the session over of changing the gender of one of the, 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 uh, the, uh, 
survivors, mainly because it was interesting and it fell with the plot. And now our half-orc fighter um, thief has a new sidekick. We're calling him Pugsley. And unfortunately, one of the uh, players did not get the reference of Pugsley Adams. But yes, a little psycho kid. Because they just happened to have, since there were no dwarves or halflings in the party, I was using dwarves and halfling miniatures for uh, children. And I only had a dwarf and a halfling. But there were three children. Oh, ooh, spoiler, three children. And uh, so the third one, I just used a little Cthulhu miniature. And after that, that became Pugsley. Um, also on this, like I said, we're using uh, James Bond's uh, class compendium. And one of the classes in there is a dragon. And one of the players is playing a dragon. However, he still has not figured out why every time he pops up in some strange farmer's face, they immediately shoot him. It's like, because you're a freaking dragon, they don't know you're good. They just see freaking dragon and they shoot. Which also caused him to get shot in the head and fall off a roof. So, um, but the most valuable uh, thing that the party ganked onto were some uh, spell books that were found in the village. And um, overall, it was a really good adventure. It, it kept them on their toes. Um, it kept them creeped out a little bit with some of the... Uh, uh, blood and guts of the attack of the baboons so uh yeah it's all it's really pretty good it is coming up as part of his entry of the one page dungeon contest for 2019 so if you're not a patron you'll probably be seeing this in the future all right and those were the highlights of the labyrinth lord game last week and of course this week coming up we're doing the 5e game and like i said i'm gonna decide what i'm gonna do for a character just to I feel like playing a barbarian just to show the guy who's playing a barbarian before. This is how you play a freaking barbarian. You hit, you hit hard, you keep hitting. All right, what are we going on next? Next, we're going on to the meat of this episode. And the meat of this episode is thieves and their interesting skills. Now, I like thieves. Uh, thief was my first ever D&D character, Ren the Thief, who was killed by giant rats. It was old school D&D. What do you know? But there's one thing that always annoyed me about Thieves, especially in earlier editions. That was the skills. Because the percentile skills so much felt like just, let's just tack this on and add this on. It didn't really fit with any other game mechanics. I know it makes them special, but it didn't fit with anything else. And then in 3rd edition it became, well, just Thieves get lots of skills. So, okay, that's cool. Whatever. I don't even remember 4th edition. And 5th edition kind of hits a happy medium with the 3rd edition skills and its own little tweaks to make thieves better at things that thieves are supposed to be better at. But let's go to the heart of this matter and like the heart of this podcast. It's about a lot of the old school stuff. So let's go back to the old school stuff. Yeah, those percentage rolls just didn't seem... It seemed tacked on and not really part of the game to me. It also... A couple things that annoyed me. One, at low levels, a thief could not sneak or pick a lock to save their lives. Or find a trap to save the party's life. And that was always kind of like weird. And especially like the sneaking thing. Because that was such a thing that it didn't matter what class you were. There were times where you wanted to sneak. And generally it became an attribute role or some other chance role that was totally different. And with some of the DMs I had, you actually had a better chance of sneaking if you weren't a thief than if you were a thief at low levels. Which was kind of weird and a little stupid. Now I'm going to go for old school games. There's there's two I want to want to talk about. One is the White Box, fantastic medieval adventure game. 
um, which has the thief built in. It's basically swords and wizardry white box, but it's got a few extra little things in there. One of the things is the thief, where it uses an X and D6 system and one skill thievery. And if you pay attention on the blog, I'm going to talk about white box thieves. Um, actually, tomorrow, I think, is when the post is going up. So look for that. Go to the blog, theymightbegazebos.blog. Now, the X and D6 actually makes sense with the system. It's what you use to open doors, trying to kick the door in. And it really makes sense with the white box. And it feels like it's part of the game, but still makes the thief different. Now, the other game I want to talk about is Crips and Things, the original edition, not the remastered. Well, the, I mean, they're close. But basically, the, the original edition of Crips and Things used the skills, or I'm sorry, saves as skill mechanic where you just did a saving throw and it was something your class was good at, especially thieves, you got a plus two to that save. Um, the remastered edition makes a separate, basically, skill save for characters, but works basically the same way. I think there was the blog, I can't remember the name of it, just Google it, where those rules were inspired, and, I th and it is cited in Remastered, I think. I know it's, I know it's cited in Remastered of uh, Archaic Wizardry, something like that. But the saves is skill rules, which works, in my opinion, really well, too. Now, for my games, if you go back in the way, 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 way back in the archives of the logs, for more advanced games, like I'm saying... BX and advanced versions, not white box, white box versions. I've always thought of having fun instead of doing an X and D6, doing X and D12 because, well, it's there's twice as much granularity. You don't use D12s that much, and it, it's kind of cool and it rolls well. And well, it kind of keeps with the theme of the X and D6 chance, but not really feeling like the skill system of third edition and later. So. That is my little rant on Thieves and how I eh, wasn't that crazy about the way the old percentile system worked. It just didn't feel that cool. So with that being said, you know, chances are in the future I really want to do some Swords and Wizardry. Um, I'm getting that bug again, even though I've, I've never lost it. I've just never lobbied enough for it with my group. I'm sure they're going to be amicable to it. I've got them to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. I've got them to play Labyrinth Lord. But I think Swords and Wizardry is a little little easier and it's going to be a little better fit for them even though they don't they don't know it yet and then there's a few things i want to do so that's there's little house rules inspired by both an advanced labyrinth lord and a few other things but yeah that that's all in the back of my head and that's for later rants and uh, later blog posts anyway wow this is going to be a short episode because you know what we got coming up next it is the reading from the little brown books folks yes that's right we're still on volume two monsters and treasure and we finally made it to the treasure and while it's basically, I'm not going to say it's, this, eh, it's roughly the second half of the book, it's probably going to, roughly, just roughly, by a couple pages. But it's probably going to go fairly quick, because some of the pages are just charts, and I ain't reading you people the charts, all right? Because that's the first thing. Treasure types. A, B, C, D, E. A through I, which is interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll admit, even on advanced, I've never really liked the treasure type. Just let me do a chart that's more like... By hit die. Something simpler. Anyway, but we've got footnotes in here. Let's see. Brigands will only have very important prisoners. 1 in 20 brigands, while bandits will have prisoners in a ratio of 1 to 10. Both classes will carry silver pieces on their person. 2d20 each. 2 to 20. Not 2d20. Berserkers will have neither. Cavemen will have no treasure. Just in case you want to know. And, well, pirate nomads will have prisoners. Is prisoner even a frickin'... 
Oh, I see. It's treasure type A. We got land, water, and desert. So land is brigands. Nomads are in the desert. And on the water, you have pirates. Pirates have prisoners like bandits. So, wow. But it doesn't give you any value for the prisoners. I don't see anything there. Um, all treasures found only in those cases where the encounter takes place in the lair. Not in the lair, the lair. Then we have Maps Magic Determination Table. Roll for each item found. Once again, rolling at charts. Nothing really interesting here. And we're going to miscellaneous weapons, potions. And we have scrolls. And we have curse, rings, wands, staves, miscellaneous magic items. More maps and treasure. More maps and treasure. And then we finally get to explanation of magic items. Yes, I, I told you it was going to go by fast because we're just going to skip through the charts. Because you know, the, the text is where the meat of the meat of this is in. Um, let's see. Note, any items be guarded by appropriate monsters. You can just roll for a random encounter. Alright, so swords. Among magical swords alone possess certain human and superhuman attributes. Swords have an alignment, an intelligence factor, and an egoism rating, as well as optional determination of their types. These purposes are as follows. Um, alignment. Um, oh, you automatically take damage. You pick up one that is opposite alignment of you. Wow. Um, and if an player take up, take up a sword, the damage will only be one half as stated for the parties not acting as a free agent. Oh, that's if you make your hireling pick up the sword. They only take half damage. Yay. And we have the intelligence of the ego and the alignment of the sword. All right, so let's get into this. Intelligence. There are two factors determining under intelligence, mental power, and communicability. These factors are both determined by a single die roll. Boom. Intelligence. Looks like a D12. In other words, dumb as a rock or really smart. <coughs> and then we have a number of languages. And it's all about intelligent swords. They haven't gone into, like, plus one swords. And the sword's ego. Blah, 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 blah. Let's get to the neat part. Okay, let's see. When any situation... Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me get this straight. When any situation arises where there or any of the above possibilities... Okay, well, I, gu I guess I have to read the whole ego thing. I'm skipping ahead. Okay. Only swords with intelligence 7 or more will have egoism ratings. Egoism ranges from 1 to 12. The higher the number, the greater the ego of the sword. The egoism of the sword will cause it to do the following. Lead its user past better weapons. Lead its user into greater danger in order to exalt its role in combat. Allow itself to be captured by a high-level character creature which is closer to the sword's station. Surrender itself to a creature character of a lower level in order to exercise greater control over its user, and require a share of captured treasure be given to it in a form of better scabbards, jewel-encrusted, or magical devices to guard it when not in use. Yes, the sword wants a piece of the pie! Yes! Alright, when any situation arises where any of the above possibilities exist, the egoism of the sword comes into play. It is always exerted in its relationship with its user, although true rapport may be gained if the alignment and aims of the character coincide with the origin purpose of the sword. The determination of each of these factors is as follows. Let's see. Influence of egoism in key situations. The referee adds the intelligence and the ego of the sword together, 8 to 24, and adds an extra 1 for each extraordinary ability. Yay. This gives us a total of 8 to 28 for those of you not doing math very well is compared to the total of the character's intelligence and strength. 
modified by a variable based upon the physical state of the user. If the character is fresh and relatively free from damage, uh, one to six points are added to his total. If mentally and or physically fatigued, or if the damage is between 10 and 50% has been stayed, one to four is deducted. If damage is over 50%, then uh, reduce that by 2d8. So, mm, difference, six or more, the higher score per player, excuse me, six or more, higher score prevails, two to five, 75% chance, I'm sorry, I'm just like totally tongue-tied right now, 75% uh, chance of the higher score prevailing, and zero to one, 50% either way. This determination is quite simple, being only a matter of comparing the egoism of the sword with the level of the fighting man using it, consulting the table for use for key situations above. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 origin purpose. And then we go to damage bonuses. So there's not really that much there, even though I rambled on a lot about it. <coughs> oh, wait. Ooh, hey, here's something neat that was also wasn't there. Origin and purposes. Naturally, the origin of sword is either law, neutrality, or chaos, but some of these weapons were forged by more powerful forces for an express purpose. To determine if any sword which has such a purpose will percentile dice. On a score of 91 or higher, in case the sword has a special mission, swords with special purposes automatically have intelligence ego categories moved to the maximum score and will gain the additional abilities. Um, if it's lawful, it will paralyze chaotic appointments, opponents. Uh, neutrality, neutrality, Neutrality. I made a new word. Neutrality plus one to all saving throws. And chaos. The ability to disintegrate lawful opponents. Wow. Um, then purpose and so on. So it does. So basically your sword is going to be a jerk. Because it all comes up with the implication that all the magic swords are going to be intelligent magic swords. No, hey, it's just a plus one sword of plus one hitting and plus one damaging. All the swords are magical. And so many, I think so many people have said that they get tired of the plus one sword, plus one armor, blah, 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 that it gets boring. It's almost, yeah, okay, generic. There's, there's a bunch of magic users just cranking these things out for, for whatever. But that, my friends, is going to be swords. I think I've rambled enough on that because I just totally rampered the fuck out of that. I'm sorry. And that means next week we're going to move on to the other stuff, other magical weapons and stuff. So with that, dear listeners, I am going to call this episode to a close. Uh, thank you for the call-ins. I gave you the session summary. I gave you a little rant about thieves. And I did a very stumbling, bumbling rant on the Little Brown Books. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, go ahead. Visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos, the letter B. When I renew, I will get the right domain. Trust me. And see, hey, I'm going to have that post up about uh, thieves. And go to Facebook. Find us on Facebook. They might be gazebos. Just Google it. And this time I spelled it correctly. So till then, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, have some fun. And hey, if you're having fun, share the fun. All right. Thank you. Till next week.